0: Welcome back for another episode of the Joy in Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy even in infertility. Hey guys, welcome back. For those of you just joining, we are doing something a little different this week to celebrate our 10th episode and over 10,000 downloads from listeners in 30 countries, which is just insane to think about. But to celebrate, I decided it was time to share our story. So this is part two of a two-part episode where I interview my husband, Jay, and we share our story and what God is doing in our lives. Part one, we talked about our story so far. And this next part, we're gonna dig a little deeper about what God has taught us and how we process differently and where we are today so let's jump right back into my conversation with Jay. So babe, what would you say in the last eight years have been some defining moments for you? Yeah.
1: I mean, for me, I think it's, it's, uh, man, it's just that moment when it hit me that, you know, we were pregnant and that our season was changed. We were out of that desert season. And even though we would re-enter. Another desert season, and we could still say that we're somewhat in a, a desert season. Um, it's nothing compared to what we were. Um, just the fact that he, he gave us that opportunity, to, to love on Emma and have this this little one is such a touch. Obviously, that's the most defining moment because we. I was going to say this earlier. Like I, I felt bad. I felt bad. Well, we got pregnant. Like I felt bad because we had just started telling people about it and people are opening up and people are thanking us that we were willing to, to lead, lead the way in that. And they had never told, especially for guys, like, because we have to go and have, you know, our, our part of that journey is, is, can be embarrassing to some guys and it could be an attack to their manhood for whatever crazy reason. And um, just the fact that we opened up was such a big deal Um, and then God blessed us with this. And obviously we're excited, but there was just this level of like, man, I feel bad because we, we thought this was going to be part of our journey, but I'm excited I'm happy. But, um, what we didn't know was that we're on the other side and it's still a part of our journey. And that's something that we're okay with. And we know that we're, this is a part of how we get to share each other's burdens with other people, um, and to show God's love, even in the midst of. I'd know um, when it comes to this desire of being a parent naturally. So that was defining. I mean, every time we fostered, it's been a defining moment because he's changed. <laughs> I mean, it was Emma, and then it was Kansas City. And so, so far, uh, that's been a defining moment for us. And here we are on another defining moment trying to figure out what what is our next step um, in this journey. Is it nothing? Is it adoption? Is it fostering? And so um, that's for me defining moments. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think I think the two biggest moments were really bef- not bef- not really before I went public just wrestling with the whole co- the whole th- thought process of if God never never gives us a child, will I still will I still love him? Do I still believe he's good? Do I still believe he's for me? All those questions. Um is he enough? And I remember, like, I just, I don't remember where I was or, you know, what I was doing, but something just clicked and I was finally, I was finally able to say yes to that question. And it really became kind of my mantra was choose to trust. And it was, I would wake up and I would just feel so on fire and like, God, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to love you and trust you and know that you love me no matter what. And then something would just devastate me and, you know, bad test result or a a Facebook announcement or something like that would just throw me back, make me spiral. And, um, I would have to re remind myself of that again. So I really feel like learning to trust that, like sometimes it's a second by second decision. Sometimes that decision will last you a good week or two, but like being able to say no matter what, I'm still going to love you and I know you still love me and you are still good. Um, that was a really big deal for me. Um,
1: and another part of that story, which we, I don't think we really hit, was we kind of had just stopped trying at that point, right before Emma was, I, mean, I know we we're trying to do fostering, but like from the getting pregnant part, you know, yeah, we were saving money. There was nothing we could do. And so we had just stopped stressing about that and just pursued the fostering. And so there was something about that journey with God that we were like, hey, we've, we've handed this over to you. There's no way we're going to be able to save up $20,000 and so unless something happens naturally like it's just not going to happen. And so we had handed that over and we had chosen to trust that part of the journey and given given that completely to him as we kind of started this other process with fostering. And so that I think that was a defining moment too. Just like hey, we're we we've kind of stopped trying. We're just going to do our part and see what happens. But
0: and TMI for any family listening now, you can mute it for about 30 seconds. But when he says we stopped trying, that month that we got pregnant we were so busy and so stressed with everything going on. We looked back at our calendars. We had had sex two times that month. So, which is unacceptable, which is unacceptable, but it was a miracle that Emma was born or conceived. So everyone would always tell us, well, we just knew as soon as you relaxed and started focusing on something else, you get pregnant. I was like, no, really? Like we were under a lot of stress. It wasn't that we were relaxed at all. Um, but, You know, everyone always says that it was a miracle. Either way you slice it, it was a miracle. Um, and then the, I would just say the second thing would be, uh, whenever I decided to share, whenever I decided to go public, I, like I said, I felt like I was, people were just hurtful. They would say things like, you know, are you sure you're doing it right? And, um, you know, how much longer are we going to have to wait? And just all those things. It was just hurtful. And I felt like when I, when I, so I felt like I was walking around with this wound that I was trying to protect because no one knew it was there. So they would just bump into it or hit it or they would just accidentally just hurt me. And then I, when I when I actually, when we went public that day on that, that, that blog launch, I was almost nauseous from just being so worried that the flood of comments would be like just hurtful again. But it was almost like I, I was able to remove that, to expose that wound and that wound became a scar really quickly and our scars tell our stories and people weren't sending me tips anymore and saying hurtful things. They were just linking arms and saying, all right, we're in this, like, we're going to pray. We're going to be joining with you and praying. And so it was, it was very soothing. I did not expect that. And that was a major, major moment for me. I just was like, God, I'm so sorry. I did not do this earlier. This would have made things a lot easier. Um, so those were two pretty big moments. The second time around, is anything different for you this time compared to the first?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is, and I think this is like this is something that you and I don't really talk a lot about, but it's something I've I've told you before is that I don't, I don't know if we're going to have another kid naturally again. Um, I want that for you and I want you to experience that, but I I don't, I just don't know if it's going to happen. And I'm okay with that. I've gotten to a place where, you know, God has overflowed our cup with Emma and I wish I could just tell you story after story, you know, to your listeners about, you know, who she is as a person. I mean, there's just, she is a miracle and we live every day knowing that. And, and she just, our cups overflow, overflowing with her and her love and what God has blessed us with. And so, um, you know, that first time I felt, you know, I felt bad that we had gotten pregnant because we just people were sharing all these stories. And, um, now we have them at the same time. Like we still get to carry that burden because and I know it sounds so bad. You have a kid, like, what are you talking about? Like, our heart is to have like seven or eight kids, you know, and um, even if Emma had not have, even though, even if God had not blessed us with Emma, we would still be parents. Like we would still have pursued fostering at some point, I believe. And we would be uh, having a, have a kid uh, in our, in our life through adoption. Um, but this time around it's, I think it's more of when is God going to open that door for us to adopt or to foster, to adopt. And I think that's probably a little bit different because I think I think your perspective is just a little bit different. I mean, I pray every day that God would give us another kid naturally, I pray, but that pressure is just isn't as there as much um, because I've just I've just am in a different place with God. That God, you gave us Emma, and I thank you. I thank Him for that every day. And one day, I do believe we'll have three or four kids in our family. Um, but right now, this is the season where uh, what's next is unknown and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm at peace with that.
0: (laughs) And when we get to the question of how we process things differently, we can refer back to this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I see that. I can, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Um, I would say the second time around for me is it is different. Um, it is a different type of hard because I will say this, I, First time around, it's harder. It is because you don't get to you don't get to look at the end of the day and say, "Well, if nothing else ever happens, um, at least we have Emma." We couldn't say that before, mm-hmm. and I know that pain, and that's that's really unlike any other pain. Um, so, for those of you who are still there, like I, I understand, I, I get it. But the second time is just a different type of hard, and it's I think it's because. Emma's at the age, she has been really for about a year, where she asks all the time if, when she's going to get a baby brother and baby sister, because a lot of her friends are now getting brothers and sisters, and she's very extroverted, so she sees that as, well, hang on, they're getting a playmate, and I'm not, and she's very nurturing, and so she sees them helping feed their brothers or change their sister's diapers, and she, she wants that. And so it's a lot of the time at pretty much at night, every night she's asking to, when she prays, she always throws in, um, for her baby and brother to not take forever to get here is how she says it. And, um, she recognizes every mom and every baby out in public, which is kind of sweet because we share that together because when you're on this journey, you do notice every baby carrier and every family in the restaurant that's got a new baby. Um, and she notices that too. And she talks about it with me. So it's kind of sweet that we share that that awareness, but it's also there's a there's a sting with it too because I want her to have that, Um, and I believe she will one day. But right now, I'm just hoping that this journey is teaching her faith and trust because we always point it back when she says, "You know, mommy, it's taking forever." We're able to talk to her about. How? Yes, but we trust God, and it's the right timing. It's, he's going to bring that that baby to our family in whatever way He wants, and so she's able to hopefully hopefully take in just even a little smidgen of that faith and that trust, and hopefully that pays off for her as an adult in the long run.
1: Yeah, even though we've having we're going to be the seven, year old couple with with probably kids that are in college. I mean, we're going to continue that that journey. But what I love is that Emma is going to be at that place where very soon she's going to be able to remember the journey that we went on as a family to grow our family and to be able to hold on to that even at a young age of how God has been faithful because we like in my mind I'm super so we're going to talk about this but like I'm super optimistic and I just like there are kids out there that do not have parents and we are we want to be those parents. Like I, I would love someone to walk in like, Hey, I don't want this kid. Like we will take that kid from you like (laughs) uh, in a heartbeat. Um, And so she's going to be able to see that. uh, And that's going to be a really cool part of not only our story as a family, but her story as she gets older um, and is able to tell that to other people of how God was faithful, not only with her uh, being a miracle, but also how other her brothers and sisters one day were also miracles in a different way um, yeah. to adoption.
0: Um, but yes, so we process differently, if you guys can't tell. Jay is a um, very much an optimist. And I feel like in the beginning, and I, I don't know if this is true for a lot of couples, but I have noticed a pattern a little bit. It takes the guys a little longer to for this to hit, the fertility stuff for the weight to hit I think did you feel that way like in the beginning I think you were just so optimistic
1: yeah I mean we just not understanding the process I mean it's it's a we were so young and being married trying to figure out what it means even you continue you know to to make it as a couple and then have to throw this into like okay, it's not going to work, but you can make it work. And then just thinking that it will be easier than what it really was. Um, And then for the hurdle to be either finances or then um, it to be, you know, it's both of us uh, or, Hey, we're going to try this. And then that takes a year to really see if it even kind of worked. I mean, it's just, it, you you don't know the time scale or the constraint until you get into it. And I think that's probably the hardest thing is like being prepared that, Hey, this is going to be a journey. Yes. I pray that it's not, um, but it's going to be a long journey. And yeah, I think that's, that's the hardest thing. Cause I'm a, I'm a guy, I want to fix things. I want to fix the problem immediately. And this is just, this, this is a journey with God that takes a while in most situations I feel like. And it, I think mean, that was hard for me to understand in the beginning.
0: Yeah. yeah. I would, yeah, you definitely went the whole guy route in the beginning of any time I was having a bad day or I was emotional. It was but babe, like, come on, it's going to happen and when it's the right time. Like, why are you upset about this? And that was hard in the beginning, but I think like you said, time took over for you and you were like, oh, oh, this isn't right away. This is, this is $20,000 of a problem. Like this isn't just a quick fix. Um, so you definitely, I mean, not that you were, you know, crying on the floor with me, but I think you shifted a little bit and I felt like I, I remember feeling there was a difference with, I wasn't in this alone. Like we're, we're back together on this and we both feel the weight of this. And I mean, you've always done whatever it takes. You've never told me that you would never do a semen analysis because it's too embarrassing. I mean, thank God you weren't that way. I'm so grateful for that. So you definitely, um, you definitely carried it with me. I didn't feel alone.
1: Um, yeah. And I, th- I think that too, like the organization that we're part of, uh, the development of uh, people who get to work at Life Church. I mean, it, so being able to understand more of how God created us, like string finders, futuristic is one of my strings. Enneagram, I'm a three, which is producer achiever. Like, I'm never going to stop pursuing. Like, hey, we're going to be able. Like, uh, we're going to do whatever it takes. Like, we are going to have a larger family, and really everything that we do is that is part of the goal. And we are going to continue to push that for. I feel like that's the burden part of this burden that God has called me to carry. I'm going to continue to push us to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Um, but we have grown in that journey. Like you said, there was, we, we know that we're in this together and eventually God, something is going to happen, but still how we, it's how God created us. I mean, and I think that's, that's an anything. Uh, you have to understand how God created uh, your spouse and your partner. So if you don't understand that, then you're, you're, you're going to battle. Uh, only understanding half of what God has given you to go to battle with. And so I love that we understand more of our strengths and our Myers-Briggs and our Enneagram and all that good stuff, just so that we can know how, even in the moment of our, our worst day, that we can know, okay, this is how the other person is processing this situation.
0: So somebody, one of the Instagrammers asked, when I'm having a bad day, how do I process with you? Well, I cry my eyes out. And you ask, what's wrong? And I say, nothing, I'm fine. And okay. then <laughs> and then you say, no, really, what's wrong? And I tell you. So that's pretty um, straightforward with how things go with us. Um, I mean, I had, what was it, last week? Last week, we found out that I went in for my yearly, and I found out that I have a cyst on my left ovary, which would not have freaked me out a year a year and a half ago, but it freaks me out now because they thought that my tumor was a cyst. And so um, there was a few days where I had to go home and wait on the doctor's phone call to go over the report with me. And so I was just in a really scary, scared place. Um, I was like, I'm going to have to have surgery again. I'm going to have to get on birth control, have surgery, and they're going to remove my left ovary because that's what happened last year. And I just was struggling. And so you did not try to fix it. You did not get down there with me and wallow, which I think I'm even more grateful for. You just said, babe, he's got, God's got this and you held me and you let me cry and you didn't try to stop me. And that was a pretty good example of how we process on my bad days. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. at The core of it. I mean, this, this is all in God's hand. And so mm-hmm. even, and I say this for those who are still on that journey, haven't, been able to have a kid naturally yet, um, or may never, like, I still genuinely believe, like, even if we didn't have Emma, that we would still be in a place where like, God, you've got this. We're never going to stop trying, but like, we're going to trust you in this process. And there are too many kids out there that do not have parents that we would get the privilege of one day being able to call them our son or daughter. And so... We're never, we're never going to take God out of the factor because if, if we didn't have him at the core of it, um, we would have thrown in a towel a long time ago and probably thrown in a towel in our relationship because that, and we've had friends that have done that. I mean, you did not have Christ at the core. And unfortunately that the relationship ended in the midst of their infertility journey. And there's so many factors that man, God just covers us in every situation, um, that he's got it and he's at the core. And no matter what happens, we're going to, we're going to lean on him. We're going to lean on him. He's got it.
0: Yeah. And for, I think both of us and a lot of you listening, because if you're listening to this, you're, you're on the same journey as we are. Um, finding joy in infertility is not something that you can do in your own flesh. It's just not possible. It's a terrible thing. Um, but I, my goal is I do not, want to be go on get on the other side of this, whether that looks like five babies from now or in heaven. I don't want to go on get on the other side of this and not not look more like Jesus. I want I want this to do its thing. I want God to be able to do what he wants to do through this. And that means that I have to be open to seeing some dirty stuff in my heart and calling it like it is and not not living in that and not allowing that to take root and i um, just trying to be more like him. And so I just refuse to let this take me down and to take us down. And I think you are the same way. And that's, we process the same when it comes to that. We may process differently where you're more optimistic and you may want to fix things and I may want to live in things, but like no matter what, we just want to be more like Jesus and we want him to use this in whatever way he sees fit in our lives and others' lives in Emma's life in our future kids lives, however that happens. Um, we just want to be more like him. And so we're on the same page with that.
1: Yeah. I think that's why, I mean, that leads to the next question of like, cause that's the core of when we find out other people are pregnant, how do we handle that? You know, what advice you know, do we give to others who are struggling with that? I mean, we're not going to be 100% happy all the time when we find out that someone's pregnant. Um, Because, and also there's only a few people I think in our life that who carry this burden with us, like genuinely like carry this burden with us. I mean, those are the people that try to also protect us, right? They love us so much. They, they try to protect us when, you know, we find out someone's pregnant and then we're like, we don't want to be protected. Like we got to know when we want to celebrate them, but it's not, always easy to be 100% happy when someone um, is pregnant, but we know that we should be. And it goes back to kind of what you just said. I mean, at the core of this is like, this is not going to take us down. This is going to bring us closer to God. And at the end of the day, you know, if someone else gets pregnant, we have to be happy for them because that's their journey. That's not ours. And we're on our journey. We, This is our journey. This is the life that God has called us to live. And we're going to live it well, and we're going to live it in a way that reflects him and points people back to him. And we can't point people back to Jesus if we're not, at least on the journey, right, of wanting to celebrate when God is doing something else in someone else's life. And um, I kind of look at everything through kind of leadership kind of channel. And this is something that like, for example, at work a couple of years ago, it was hard for me to like be happy for somebody when they got a promotion, a promotion that I wanted, right? It was like, why, why are they getting that and I'm not? But eventually it came to this place of like, that's not my journey. And you've helped me out on this. And it's totally relates to uh, our pursuit of wanting to have more kids. And it's like, that's not our journey. Like that's their journey. And God has designed them with purpose and God has designed us with purpose. And out of everyone he's created uh, to live in this moment and to own this time, this is the part that he's called us to carry and to care for. And it's such a small part in terms of history But this is what God, this is the blessing that he's given us and infertility is a part of it and the life that he's called us to live. And we are going to live it well. And we're going to carry this in a way that glorifies him with everything that we have. And I love uh, Ephesians 2.10 is a verse that many people have heard, but it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, you know, the message of that, the message version of that, it says this, it says, he created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does, the work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. And what he wants us to know in that verse is that we we are a masterpiece is in, in a sense of what he said. That's what it means pretty much in the Greek. He He made us In this way. And a masterpiece is not perfect, right? Uh, we are not perfect. He Christ was perfect, we're not. But in this journey, this is a part of the masterpiece that God created us to carry. Infertility is a part of that journey. And this is a part of the journey that we get to carry. And so it's it's an honor. I know it doesn't feel like it all the time, but it's an honor to carry this as a part of our journey. A journey that we get to carry with each other. It's a burden that we get to carry with other people. And I think that's probably one of the most exciting parts of this infertility process is that we get to carry it with other people. And it's not like it should be more broad and more open than what it is, but that's a part of what we get to do is we get to help people be open about their experience and then walk through this with them. And so that's how we get to every day, the more open we are about it, the more we trust God with the process, the more we find ourselves being more like Christ so that we can celebrate with people as they celebrate the fact that they get to have, a child, whether it be through adoption or naturally, um, their journey is theirs and we get to carry and walk through ours.
0: Yep. All that, all that. <laughs> I think I was going to say some of that, so I won't repeat it, but that was good. Yeah. When I find out someone's pregnant, um, sometimes I don't handle it well. Sometimes I do. And I think that's just part of the daily choosing that I talked about before. Um, the only, someone asks what advice do you give when people are, you find when, you know, people struggling to hear that news. And, uh, I think it's just like what, like what we said, it's when you boil it down and I know this can be hurtful, but at least for me, when I boil it down, when I'm feeling that negativity or that anger, it's, it's selfishness because I'm, I'm mad. They got what I wanted and selfishness is not something that we are supposed to have. And so I just, in my, in those moments, I just try to remember that I'm going to, ref, I'm refusing to allow this to take me away from Jesus. And I am not going to allow selfishness to take hold in my heart. And a mentor of mine in the past told me that gratitude will kill bitterness and discontentment and all of those things. And so she said, every time you see that announcement and every time somebody tells you they're pregnant, you just, you thank God for that, that baby, you thank God for that miracle And eventually it will become more genuine. Um, In the beginning, it definitely felt forced, but I just allowed God to do his thing. And I mean, I still have moments where I hear pregnancies and it just still stings, but I just refuse to sit there. I refuse to let it take hold. And so that's the advice I give is just allow, you know, just be grateful for that miracle because you hope one day you're going to get a miracle as well and just help, you know, just ask Jesus to just help you, help you to actually have a heart of gratitude for that baby. Go buy them that diapers or something.
1: Yeah. And I think you got to have those people, if you don't, you know, for those that are listening, if you don't have someone that you can be honest with or someone who can genuinely ask you like, how are you doing with that news? I mean, you're, that's, a, that you don't want to be in that place. I mean, you have to have people that carry that burden with you. So not only that, another thing that popped in my mind is the science behind like when someone has a kid, it is a, I mean, it's it's a miracle in itself, right? All the factors have to line up for someone to be born. Um, it's crazy, but to think about how many times we've tried, right? How many times we thought it was the one, um, that we were going to be pregnant, but for, for us to get Emma, right? Like that for her, for all the things to line up where we got that child in that way, Emma was our, like, I, Emma is ours. And for someone else to get pregnant, man, that's, that's their, that's their miracle. And I want my miracle. I want the miracle that God has in store for us. And regardless of whether or not that's a kid naturally, um, I want what he has for us because that is a gift that my dad is going to give to me. That's unique to me and what he has for me. I want what he has for me, not what he has for someone else.
0: So when it comes to, someone asked, when it comes to fertility, are we very open with the conversation or do we ignore it? Well, I think it's obvious we don't ignore it. It's pretty common talk in our in our relationship.
1: Well, I think it comes from an overflow of our relationship with God, right? We, It's a growth thing where we get to a point where we're uh, open about it. And so now I'm at a point where people are like, oh, you know, when are you going to have more? Like I use this as an opportunity to point – to our story. Plus it brings awareness to that person of like, I don't say like, Hey, you should, you know, you should probably shouldn't ask that question. Like you don't really know what people are going through. Like I never asked that question. Like when are you gonna start having kids, like it's more of like, Hey, do you want to have kids? Like, you know, I, I I'm very careful. How I word that question because of what we're, we're walking in and other people could be walking in that aren't open about it yet. But the biggest thing is like, I get to the point, I am at a place now where like, I get excited to share our story. Um, because it's an opportunity to point people back to what God is doing in our lives. And it's a part of our opportunity to be vulnerable to say, Hey, like, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, that's, that's, that's a touchy thing for us. Cause we're, we're we struggle to have kids. Like we do a lot of good things, like great together and having kids isn't one of them. And, um, it's, but God is walking through that with us. And we love to share our story with other people because it, it is another opportunity for us to point people to Jesus.
0: Yeah. I think that that's kind of the same way I feel about it. I, as soon as people ask that question, it actually doesn't, isn't as hurtful as it used to be when people would ask, um, even just a couple of years ago, even after Emma, when people would ask, I just, when they would ask like, Hey, are you guys going to have more kids? Cause I know it's coming from a place of, they're just trying to get to know you, but I just use it as an opportunity now to say, yeah, well, it, it takes us a little while to have kids. It took us four years with Emma and we're working on the second one." But You know, I don't know. I don't know what our story will look like, but I just, I love that it's a door for people to, if they want to step in and get in there with us and like say, Hey, so how are you dealing with that? Or what's going on? It's a way for us to talk about Jesus and it's an easy way. Um, and I love it that a lot of times, um, I can, I can kind of see now the women that are walking through that too. I was just in, I was actually serving in the baby room at church last Sunday. Um, they needed some help back there, so I jumped back there, and this girl started talking. And she has a little girl about Emma's age. And I just, I was like, I bet, I bet that's their story. But I, of course, I'm not going to ask. And so then she finally opened up and was like, Yeah, we're really struggling. We've been trying to have a, a second kid for a while, and and so she was like, So we're doing like this. It's called IUI, and she was explaining what IUI was. And I was just smiling because I was like, Oh, I just love being in this innocent place just for a minute before she knows, like, Oh, girl, I'm right there with you. Um, but I just love using it. we were, as soon as as soon as we talked, opened up about it. Like we just had plenty to talk about because we are on the same story. So I, I am an open book, and I feel like you have been too. And I love that about you. Even we joke about the love room, um, and you've been able to encourage some other guys, the past eight years, to do that too. Because it's just it's kind of a scary thing to do for guys. And you just made it a joke. From I think it was like your first one was awkward, and the second one you even told the lady at the desk that it was the love room and she laughed and laughed at you because you were laughing about it. And that's just kind of become a part of the way we handle it. Um, these tests are awkward. Vaginal ultrasounds are awkward and we're just, we just laugh about it. So we just are very open um, with each other and with other people about our journeys. And I love that.
1: Yeah. I mean, this question, it can go a thousand different ways. It could be like, is this talking about how you're open with, you know, a stranger or someone at church or someone at work, or is this like communication with each other, which obviously if you don't, if you're not on the same page, you have to get on the same page. You have to have open lines of communication, but there's also a factor when it comes to God. Like you, you have to get to a place where you are open with your, even your frustrations, obviously with, with God, because our relationship with him, it's real, it's active. And like, if any relationship going to be you know, flourishing, um, there has to be honesty, um, when things are good, as well as when things are bad. And so one thing that popped in my mind was actually an article uh, from our senior pastor, uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel. And it was an article about the unreasonable leader. So give me a second to like help you grasp this when it comes to like your relationship with God, when it re- pertains to this question about how you're honest. Um, no one likes to be led by a leader who's unreasonable. But the best leaders know when to push the people that they have on their team, uh, to dream bigger dreams, to pursue results that most people don't believe are possible. There has to be a time for a leader to be unreasonable. And you think about the words of Jesus, right? So Jesus said this in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross uh, and follow me it can't be my disciple disciple, that's a pretty unreasonable demand. Jesus told the, the rich young ruler, you know, one thing you lack, go and sell everything and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. That that seems a bit unreasonable. He told the guy who, uh, with the weathered hand to stretch it out, he ordered a lame man to get up and walk. He ordered, he invited Peter rather, he invited Peter to walk on water. And from the beginning of his ministry, you know, until even what God's doing on this earth, he, he, Jesus asked us to, to have unreasonable faith. Think about that, to have unreasonable faith and obey and to fully, you know, walk in trust with him. And we are going to find ourselves going, God, you're being unreasonable when it comes to not allowing us to have children or to open up this door. And I just think about what this means for our faith, this this season, whether infertility is a short one or for the rest of our lives, like this is a season of growth for us. And from a leadership standpoint, you know, reasonable leaders produce reasonable results, but unreasonable leaders produce unreasonable results. If you ask people for what you think they can do, you're going to get what you ask for. But if you ask people to do more than they think they can, you're going to get more than they thought they could ever do. And I just think about what God is doing in this season for everyone who's listening to this, as well as us. Um, our relationship with God, you know, isn't tied to us having a kid. It's tied for our love for Him, even in the yeses, as well as the noes. And we get to have unreasonable faith in this moment, in this season, no matter how short or long it may be, that God has us and that we get to grow close to Him in this season and I once heard like this you know when when we have a no especially a big no like God I want to have a kid God will you open up this door and when it doesn't happen we can easily point and give credit to Satan for that like you know why in the world did you know the devil cause you know for you to have this tumor on your ovary for you to lose this ovary you know we can't that's the last thing we should do is give the no right to any prayer that we have to give credit to the devil for that because God wants to do something in our, that season of no, you know, we have a kid, her name is Emma and we say no a lot to her. Why? Because we love her. And even though, yes, I think it might be cool to be the parent that lets her have gummy bears at eight o'clock in the morning. That's not a, that's not a good thing for us to say yes to, but in the season of no, whether that season is short or long, God wants to do something in us. And through us in that season. He has something for us in the season of no. Does that mean that God is ever gonna take away what we're going through? He may not. Like, He may continue to say no for us to have a kid naturally again, but at the end of the day, He's still a good God. And I think the question that pops in my head is kind of like the question that you said earlier is like, is God still good when the answer is still no? And the answer is yes. Does that mean that it's easier? No. Does that mean that he's going to always take away uh, what we're going through? No. But he's still a good God in the midst of that. And Here's what I I do know is that I love what Philippians you know one six said. It says, "I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue the work until it's finished." God, it's never over till it's over, and God may have a greater opportunity on the other side of it um, that we may have no clue. You know, He has something on the other side of that. No. Um, that He wants us to to experience. And so it doesn't mean we stop praying. It doesn't mean we, we, we stop believing. But what I do know is that's an opportunity for us to trust Him. And on the other side of our no, is something really amazing that we're going to look back on and be grateful for. And so in the midst of this, this is an opportunity for us to grow closer to God and be more open with Him than ever before. And it's okay to say, God, I'm upset you putting through putting us through this season but I'm going to trust you through it no matter what. And so I would just encourage the person who's listening, like this is an opportunity to grow in your faith and your relationship with God. Don't try to push past this season before it's over because God wants to do something in the midst of this. No, that he could only do in this season. If he said no, and I'd be grateful for the lessons that we're learning. It's an opportunity for us to grow closer to him.
0: So do you have a support system that helps you through all of this?
1: I think that, um, it needs to be better you know just to be transparent I think I think we've gotten to a place where we're at a good place. I think we had to be right because we every time it seems like we've always been moving and so we've had to rely on each other and so I think the support system of you and I is we're great I mean we we have each other we're it's one team one dream, team Porter all day like we're gonna fight hand in hand together um, I think, I think from a guy standpoint, I do have, I think as good as a guy can be, I've got a support system, but I want it to be better. Right. I mean, as guys, like I I would love to find someone, I think to answer that question, I would love to find someone who I can connect with on a more intimate level, you know, guy wise, but it's hard. It's hard for us as guys,
0: but. And by more intimate, you're talking about like that's on, that's on this road with you.
1: For sure. I think God has given me great people that um, even though they're not in the exact place that we are they do genuinely care for for our family and care for me um, and I'm grateful to have those people but I do I do want I think I just love community that's part of my job you know the church is community and I understand the power of doing life for other people I think I would love um, to have more people you know another guy that's like in this season so we can continue to, to I can know when I'm looking at him in the eye or talking to him on the phone, like, you know, where I'm at kind of thing. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that, but I am grateful for the people that he's given me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely have, I mean, there's some people that have definitely walked this road before um, or on it that have poured into me, but really some of the people that pour the most into me have multiple children. um, And they just, they just love me and they love Jesus. And that's, those are kind of some key requirements, and so they've they are my support system, and I think girls need it on a different level. I have a more probably week to week support system where people are checking in more often, and which is great. Um, and I do the same for them in different areas of their lives. But you've t- you've said before that a lot of times that pours over into you. Um, that support system that I have carries over for you too, and. I think that's great. I think that's, that's what a marriage should be. Whenever I hear something or am told something that's really powerful, I can pass that on to you and it can encourage you, even though it wasn't told specifically to you. So that's kind of how we, how our support system works. So has there been any verses that have been like anchors for you in this journey?
1: Well, yeah, I'm going to give you multiple verses. But um, I think the biggest thing, uh, the overarching theme, and it goes back to something I said earlier, what I know is at the end of our lives, we're going to be remembered in, you know, one or two sentences. At the end of the day, I mean, I hope to to live longer than you. You know, Kaylee, I want to, you know, walk with you until, you know, the end and you know, walk with you to meet Jesus and not leave you on this earth without me. But in the, the day, like, I'm going to describe you in a few sentences in an obituary. It's going to go on a paper. And then, um, you know, what is that sentence going to be, right? Like, how are people going to describe us at the end of our life? I think it's true that um, as we go through this season of infertility, whether it's short or long, we're going to describe that sentence when someone says, well, how do you, how do you describe that? Or how do you feel like? what has God taught you in that journey? And um, there's going to be, you're, gonna, you're not going to talk about that for hours, but you're going to describe it in a few sentences. And I, I love, uh, when you think about David in, in Acts 13, 36, it says like for David, you know, he served his generation. He served his own generation uh, and lived for the will of God. And then he died. And I just, I know that God has called us to serve. And it, this is true for every single person that's listening to this, your infertility journey, God has called you to live out this journey for the people that are around you. And I mean, you see that in this, in that description of David, even though he wasn't perfect. I mean, he had his stuff and what he went through, but he, his will was to serve, you know, God and to, and he, in his story uh, reflects that in the midst of the good and the bad. And I love what, what, what Paul said in, in Philippians, it says, you know, I, I'm running after this, you know, race that I'm, I'm wanting to reach the end. This heavenly prize, um, and that's through this journey. I mean, that—that's what—that's what I want for us, right? I want us to point people back to Jesus. And those are some verses that I continually think about. Like in the midst of those those really bad days, I, I'm reminded of the journey that He's called us to be on. And this is our journey to point people back to Jesus. And I'm grateful for this journey, even though, yes, I want us to have five or six kids or even seven. This is this journey that he's given us. And this is the race that God has called us to live. And never forget that. Never forget that this is the race that he's called us. Now, know that going back to, you know, before Emma, and I I still pray these prayers, Psalms, you know, 127.3, it says, chosen are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. And I used to pray over and over again, God, your word says they're a gift. Give us that gift. And I think that's a gift that every single one of us in some capacity, and this is maybe the optimism in me coming out, but if we can't have kids naturally uh, fostering through you know the government, if God opens that door and says yes to that for you, to love on a kid that's going through a system, the system that may not have anyone else if it's not for you. And so his gifts are all around us. It's just a, when is he going to open? When's he going to present that gift to us? And I just, I'm grateful that he gave that gift in the form of Emma and then all the future gifts that he's going to give us on this journey. So Psalms 127.3 is one in Genesis 128. You mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, God said this, it be fruitful and increase in number, be fruitful and multiply. And that's a command. That was a command Adam and Eve. And I believe that's still a command to us. And so I just pray that way, like God, you command us to be fruitful and multiply. Give us this gift, give us this natural gift of, of being able to be fruitful and multiplying. And so those are two like verses that beforehand, you know, those were things that I held on to, and I'm just reminded of, you know, the prize we're running after. But a verse I would say and that I'm holding on to the most, kind of right now, um, and I hope all that kind of makes sense. But Ephesians 3:20, you know. Through his mighty power at work within us, he wants to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask, think, or imagine. And if you study uh, Ephesians 3.20, it's kind of interesting, this pyramid that God's word constructs, Um, it's that he is able, he is able to do, he is able to exceedingly abundantly He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more beyond that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. It's this progression that God wants us to know that he is able. He is able. Um, That our God is not idle. He is not dead in our circumstances, our situations. Our relationship with him is active. It is real. And so because he wants to do infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine, this is true in my prayer life. And i I encourage others to do the same. Do not be cautious in your prayers. Pray with all your heart. Believe with all your heart. Have faith with all your heart that God is going to do a miracle. But regardless of how he answers that, he's going to do something mighty in our life. And let's say he never answers that prayer of doing something, you know, giving us the gift of having a kid naturally. Him doing that in our life in itself is a miracle of us being able to walk through that with love and care and trusting Him in that process. That in itself is Him doing something abundant in our life and accomplishing something amazing because our relationship with Him is that important. And so that's a lot of verses, a lot of text, but. Man, his word is what I hold on to in this season because if without it, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't know where to turn. I wouldn't know where to look. I would I would not be able to find hope in the midst of the darkness. And so I'm grateful that his word brings life and is a light to our day. And man, I just without those things, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I'm at, and I wouldn't be able to be, continue to be the person that God has called me to be.
0: So, um that's where we've been, that's what we've learned, that's what God's doing in our hearts. So, um one of the questions that was asked is where are we now and what's our next step?
1: Well, I think it goes back to we're kind of like where we were in the in the beginning. I mean, it's yeah. it is all right uh, IVF is still an option, but $20,000 is not, you know, not there. And so I think it's, it's that level of trust of like, God, I trust you, um, to, uh, if you want us to, to do IVF, you're going to provide. Um, but what we're going to do is just trust God with today. That's the first step. And we're just trusting God with every day. Um, fostering, we just don't feel like is the next step, um, in this season, and so we're we're talking about adoption, but even then, uh, private adoption is expensive.
0: Yeah, we're kind of at this season where, really, since we knew we needed a break after May last year, and really since about August or July when we decided to put fostering on hold, we're kind of at this month by month reevaluation, I guess you could say. Where, where are we now? Um, what are we going to do from here?
1: And the static thing is, if anyone who's listening, you're, you're in the same place, right? You're, you're thinking month to month, what, what is next? Um, we're right where you are. And that's that's the exciting part of this journey is that we get to go on this journey together. And uh, we may not know exactly what the next step is, but we know who holds those steps. And so uh, that's where we're at. We'll see what happens every day, brings on a new adventure. And we'll see we'll see what God wants to do next. exciting hey babe Mm -hmm.
0: thanks for coming on
1: no problem (laughs) um it's been great talking to you can't wait to see what god continues to do through joint infertility and this is just just the beginning of all god wants to do through the stories of people who listen to this and uh at the end of the day god is going to be glorified and um i just love that god is using uh, a podcast to do it so thanks for letting me come on
0: So there you have it. For all of my new friends out there that have asked, that's where we are. I love what Jay said at the end. We don't know what the next step is right now, but we know who holds that step and we trust him. I just want to end out today by saying thank you. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Thank you for following me on Instagram and sharing your stories with me. I had no idea what God would do with this little passion project, but he has far outweighed my dreams. Please keep sending me your stories. I love that we are all doing this together and learning how to embrace this season, even with all of its pain. Embrace it with joy together. Y'all are just the best. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Join Infertility podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.